Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about getting unstuck about midlife weight loss with Corinne Crabtree. I'm sure it's no surprise that some of the most popular episodes on the Women in the Middle podcast are about losing weight. Even at our age, it is still a big topic in our lives, and it takes up a lot of brain space. You're going to love my guest today. Corinne Crabtree is a master certified life coach with a mission to help every woman lose weight and live the exact life they want. Corinne lost 100 pounds 15 years ago, and ever since, she's dedicated her life to teaching women how to do the same. She's the host of the wildly successful podcast, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne, which has been downloaded over 32 million times in 160 countries. Over 500,000 women have taken Corinne's free course that teaches four basics to easily transform their weight loss and lives forever. Corinne serves over 10,000 women from all over the United States and the world every day in her private online No BS weight loss program. You can catch Corinne on Clubhouse or going live on Facebook to her over 300,000 followers talking about the diet trauma drama industry. Her greatest passion is helping women get rid of their old crappy thinking and eating by using self-love to never quit on themselves again. In her free time, Corinne enjoys riding her Peloton every day, whipping up pastries from the Great British Baking Show with her husband and son, and listening to the latest self-development book or podcast. A bit of warning, this episode has an explicit rating, so if you're sensitive to swearing, this may not be the episode for you. Please enjoy. Hi, Corinne. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me, Susie. (laughs) So excited. So I'm sure it's no surprise that episodes, most of my episodes that have anything to do with weight loss are my most popular episodes. So what a treat it is to have you on to give us some straight advice with what's going on with the whole weight loss in the middle issue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I totally love your message. And Although, you know, you're dealing with a serious issue, obviously, you've made me laugh out loud on more than one occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I keep everybody rolling with my Southern uh, (laughs) sayings and stuff that my I just want to say to everybody, if something crazy comes up my mouth, I heard it from my grandmother. People are always (laughs) like, where do you get this? I'm like, my granny said all these things. (laughs) Hilarious. Sometimes I actually watch it again because it's so funny. You're a riot. So. Anyway, I just thought we would start if you just tell us a little bit about your personal weight loss story, and then we're going to dive right into some of these midlife myths about weight loss and what's going on with us in the middle. So what's your what's your story? So when I was so I always tell people that the only time I was ever thin was when I was coming out the womb and everybody wanted a chubby baby. And I was like, I wasn't chubby baby. So When I turned nine, I gained a lot of weight. I just started like basically once like early puberty started hitting, I just started going up the scale. And then all the way through uh, middle school, I was already about 200 pounds. 
in high school, I was always overweight. I was very bullied my entire life. Mm -hmm. I also grew up with a single mom who didn't make a lot of money. So we lived in fast food. I mean, if you think about back in the 80s, nobody was thinking fast food was bad for you. It was still like, ooh, it's so new and all these new chains. We just glorified how you know convenient it was. So I grew up eating buffets, fast food. My mom didn't cook. We didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't have a diverse palate. You know, yeah. I just, I didn't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, all of stuff. Didn't know how to cook, nothing. So all of that is my history. And then when I had my son and I was about like around 29 years old, 30 years old, he was about a year old and I was over 250. I was exhausted. I couldn't keep up with him. Mm. Um, I was depressed. I, I was never diagnosed with postpartum, but when I was 17, I'd had severe depression and it attempted suicide. So I like looking back now, I am very sure that I would have been diagnosed postpartum because it was nice. dark days every day. And um, I just woke up one day and he wanted to play with me. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. The process right was on the TV. <laughs> this is how I know it was a 10 o'clock. <laughs> and I literally said what my mom used to say to us, which is I'm too tired to play. Mm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I remember as a child feeling so bad, at, like almost unloved because my mother was always exhausted, but she was working two jobs. I was on the couch at 10 a.m. watching Price is Right, just not liking my life and overweight and too tired. So it was in that moment where I kind of had like a meltdown. And when my husband came home that night, I just looked at him and I was like bawling and snotty and just said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just, I got to figure this out. I'm going to start doing some stuff. And he was like, do whatever you need to do. Now he was always supported in the fact that he always believed that I was able to do anything I set my mind to. He believed in me way before I ever even right. thought about believing in me, but he wasn't going to change how I ate. Like he wasn't like all in on the support. He was just like, <laughs> I bet you can do it. I'll be over here with a cheeseburger, but you know, <laughs> God love you. Go do what you got to do. And so um, the next day I had decided that there wasn't a lot of the food I could give up yet. I thought, well, I could probably start walking each day. It would probably be good for me. So I'm, I started with little 15 minute walks. I started with small changes. Like I would, I would eat ice cream out of the carton every night. and. One day I was like, I wonder what would happen if we just put this in a really big bowl. Like, I bet that would keep me from eating the entire carton if I just put it in a bowl and decide you have as much as you want, but you can't go back. That's the only rule we got now. And I started making like these micro changes. And I just kept thinking, what can I do today? Like, you know, is there something small I can do that would make sense that if I did it for a while, I would probably lose some weight. I literally, that is how I lost hundred pounds. I made micro changes. And then the more I showed up for those little changes, the more I would think about raising the bar just a little bit more. I was kind of proving to myself that if I made a decision that I could do it, I still would argue like there would still be a piece of me like, oh, I don't know, do I want to? But I was setting the bar so low that even when I thought I don't want to, it was still easy to say like, yeah, bitch, but we're doing it anyway. Yeah, like just go on. You know, it won't hurt you. So 
for me, that was like the most important part of my weight loss journey was mm-hmm. really more learning um, how to challenge myself in the smallest ways so that I could build that relationship with myself. And this and, was way before coaching or bah, any, none were of you even reading Oprah. Probably not. even. No, Oprah, I don't even <laughs> think I watched Oprah. Like I didn't even fall in love with Oprah until after I was like well into self-development. I had no self-development background, none. I just right. it was really intuitive at first. I think it was also so necessary for me. I had just failed so many times that there were just things that were starting to make sense. I I remember getting to about 200 pounds. So I'd lost like 50, just eating a little different. Like I wasn't making, like I was not doing anything drastic, but I was really enjoying being active. I had never played sports, but in my mind, my brother had, and I was like, if I could just like be an adult athlete, I will have arrived. You know, I just kept thinking about that stuff. And so I was going to the gym for like an hour a day and I was learning how to ride a bike. I wanted to try a triathlon. So I bought a bike and showed up at a bike 101 class so that I wouldn't like break my neck by myself. (laughs) And so, but the scale wasn't moving at all for like six weeks. And I thought, what the hell? I am like changing my life. I should have better results than this. And so for a few weeks, I was okay with it. And then there was this one day where I was just like, this fucking blows. Like, this is some crap. I am working so hard. And I remember thinking in that moment, I should just be eating. And I think that I had been Mm -hmm. focused so much on enjoying what I was doing for myself and praising myself for like showing up each day. That was such a key part as I was changing that relationship with myself in that moment, I was like, no, (laughs) that is what you've always done. You've always thought that you should just go back to eating. And I was like, I don't give a damn if that scale never moves. You feel better. You're doing better things. It only makes sense that that scale will move one day if you don't quit. And I just like, it was such a like, pivotal moment. Wow. That was like the big shift. And once that hit, I kept going, I kept hitting stalls, but I just kept telling myself next week will be better. Like, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And if it would stall for a couple of weeks, I'd be like, all right, we're obviously at a point where we need to figure out, is there something more we can do that we hadn't thought of yet? And then next thing I knew I'd lost all the weight and feeling good and just decided in that moment, I want to help other people do it because I knew that I had done something that most women can't do. And I wanted to make sure that I could help people figure out that if I can do it, I know you can do it. So that's really remarkable, Corinne, to have that insight without the support. You know, support is so much easier to find right now. Podcasts are great. TV, magazines, online. There's so many people to follow and everything's so accessible. And you had all that insight by yourself. Yeah. Well, and I think that's important in weight loss because even like today, even though we have a lot of support, weight loss is still such an inside job. Right. You know, and we forget that weight loss is an inside job. It's like all of that. You know, I always tell people, if you lose the mental weight, the physical weight will come along for the ride. And I don't know why I was being so insightful. I mean, I'm born and raised Catholic. I will say I don't be going to church every day. So don't be thinking that I'm like that holy. (laughs) But I do believe that I must have been 
uh, gifted something from the good Lord, because I, I look back on it and I'm amazed at my own self that I was able to do that inside job. But it took me years because I didn't even go to the life coach school until 2015. So I started my business in 2007. But it took like going to the life coach school and like hearing for the first time, like thought work and the model, like all these concepts. I'm like, holy shit, that's what I was doing. Like it was like, like these like moments in my weight loss history started just like coming to the surface. And And I just, I don't know. It just was. It was remarkable, but at the same time, it really taught me, all right, these are the things you have to teach people. Because before 2015, I was just trying to teach them what I did. And then I would talk to them all day long. I couldn't really put it into terms, but I could motivate and I would like give them thoughts to think, but I really wasn't good at showing them their shitty thoughts. You know, I was just like on like the other side. I was like dragging them along for the ride with me. Yeah, yeah. And it dawned on me in 2015 with all that. It's like, we got to change the way we're teaching this. Like, it really was your mindset that changed. And now we got to teach women how to change their mindset around it. It's not about what they're eating. It's about what they're believing about themselves every single day. And we change that, the weight will come off. Oh, my gosh. I had a moment in 2015 where I sat behind you at at our mastermind. And I remember Brooke referring to you. Uh, about something, just about the progress that you had just started to make. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is this blonde right in front of me? Who is she? What is she about? What's she been doing? Because Brooke was really referencing the work that you've done. And I remember her saying, and then you got up to speak that you had been doing this for so long, but that you didn't have the context mm-hmm. of what you were doing. And now you had all the context and then your business just took off once it all put into place like that. Yeah, it, it just, it was so much easier to talk to people about this is what has to change. Like, I, it was like the first time that I ever was like, this is exactly what has to change. And this, like this sentence and this thing and this thing, like it just, it just all came together after that. So yeah, it really gave me funny. clarity. I could totally see that. And I didn't know who you were and you probably didn't, well, you had no ability yet to see what was going to happen. None. And it all came together. <laughs> but that was just a fun moment because I didn't know who you were, but I just knew that you had something going on that was really insightful and it was just all coming together for you. So that was great. Way back in 2015. So, you know, here in the Women in the Middle, we're talking about midlife. We're talking about menopause. We're talking about, you know, midlife, which can be anywhere from ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers. But really, 50 plus is what we're talking about I, most of the time. And there's so much discouragement about what happens when you hit menopause and what happens about how the weight shifts and about how hard it is and, and about uh, hormones. And it's just like it almost seems impossible sometimes to think that you can release weight with all this stacked up against you. So can you talk a little bit about Midlife women and weight loss and what your experience is and some tips for us. That would be awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to be there soon. <laughs> we will welcome you with open arms. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I, I, I'm like, if my 40s were this fabulous, I can't even imagine what the 50s are going to be. Exactly. Like. So, um, but I have coached 
like I would say my average member now is 50 or above. Hmm. We have women who range about 50 to probably early 70s now. Um, I, they, uh, a lot of them are grandmas and they're always like, you, like they're in the grandma club. They're always like, your grandmas love you. <laughs> so I think what I notice most, the very first thing that I always tell the people who come in and they're talking about menopause and the inability to lose weight is nope. you got to not believe that story. Like if you, for a minute, start believing it, you will find every emotional reason to eat. Um, most of my women are able to lose weight. I've got story after story that they are like, I thought menopause was stopping me. And then I came in and Corinne told me that I was no longer allowed to eat because I felt bad about being in menopause. <laughs> like just like saying no to every time that I use the excuse of, well, my hormones, well, this, well, that, like when they just stopped that one behavior some weight started coming off. They're like, what? <laughs> and I tell people all the time, it's like, you don't know if it's your hormones. You don't know if it's your age. You don't know shit unless you are not emotionally eating. Like you, like, I want all of you to think about this. How many times have you stepped on the scale, thought it's menopause, and then gone out for margaritas that night, pissed, <laughs> thinking, why bother? Or eat through the weekend because you're just like, well, I'm not going to be able to lose weight anyway. So often we're doing these small overeats. And, and I'm not even talking about epic binging. I'm talking about just little self-sabotage, little things here and there, little grab asses while you're making dinner with this like thought of, yeah, it's so hard for me to lose weight. And then you just pop something in your mouth. If that's going on, that's not menopause. That's busted thinking. That's you blaming that you've been caught up in the narrative. I like to tell my menopause women, sometimes it's hard for them to make the leap to, of course, I can lose weight. You know, we are princess. <laughs> it's like, just at least start with, I don't know jack shit until I solve my emotional eating. So why don't we just go with like, I don't know anything until I work on the emotional eating. Let me work on that. Let me clean that up. Then I get to make a decision after that. So that's always like the first thing I tell people. I love, I, think, that, I love that you said that because when I remember when I thought I was uh, in perimenopause, I had to go to the doctor a few times and eventually I was in menopause. And, and I remember her telling me how much weight it was likely that I was going to gain. And sure enough, I believed it and I gained that amount of weight. So I, I love to just wipe the slate clean with that thought and just focus on let's clean this area up first and then let's just see what's going on. Right. And that's I think, a great place. I think the other thing too is, you know, I think the first thing is like getting that cleaned up. And then I think the next thing is, is that if your body is going to change some, then you just get to develop a relationship with yourself. I think what we do a lot of times is as our body's changing, as we get older, that we just like kind of like sink into a terrible narrative. Like I notice, you know, at 40, I just turned 47. Happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, there's several things about my body that's changing now. Like I have got like crepey skin in places I've never had. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always, one good thing for me with the crepey skin is I've had loose skin for so long that I've been working on the relationship with my skin. I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, come join the party. <laughs> 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 you're, you're not going to get me off my A game today. <laughs> so, 
But it like I, I would invite women especially to like use this stuff to redefine how you want to think about yourself, not to use these changes as a way to just buy into what we've always been taught that, you know, younger's better and you should look this way and all this other stuff. It's like some point I think women are going to have to start deciding this is who I am. I get to be proud no matter what. Like we have to start defining what's sexy to us, what we want to wear, what we want to do. And and I don't, it's not that we don't have to give a like a crap about everybody else, but we have to like give a crap about what we think first now. And I don't think we prioritize that near enough as women, especially the older we get. Yeah, it's really easy to buy into a lot of thoughts that we don't even know we're thinking. And and one of the biggest ones that I hear from women in my community is that we we want to think that the best is yet to come, but we don't really believe it. We really believe that the best is over and that youth is better. Like You know, youth being better, we would never catch ourselves thinking that but it's just so subtle. So the way I looked when I was younger was better. The way the way my chin looked when I was younger was better. The way my stomach looked when I was younger, even my legs and any of these crepey little spots that are <laughs> funny. I found a crepey spot on my cheek um, that kind of really surprised me because I remember my mom told me, always keep tweezers in the car because the angle of the mirror and the sunlight makes it a perfect place to find those black hairs. So I was looking for some things, for some whiskers and things. And I'm like, wait, what the hell is that? Crepey skin on my cheek. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, it was better not to have crepey skin on my cheek. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like just really thinking about <clears throat> who am I now and what's the relationship I want with myself now changes and all. Yeah, because like I don't like I don't want anybody to sit around and think that I'm like looking in the mirror every day and be like, whoa, sexy beast. And I just move on. (laughs) I definitely can get in the mirror and my brain will go to like, "Ooh, this is wrong or "Ooh, this is changing and stuff. But I balance a lot of that out with and these are the great things about my life now. This is what's so much better at this age. Like I don't just make like I think sometimes what we do is we get so caught up in how we look that we forget that there's anything else to ever even think about. We just kind of take for granted the rest of our life. And it's like, we've got to practice putting emphasis on it so that these small things that are changing that we may not like at first, we haven't had a chance to define it. We've not, like it's caught us off guard when our brain wants to like hyper critique us and stuff. If you don't have a regular practice of teaching your brain, like, but here's also what's coming along for the ride with age. Here are the good things that are happening. Like I think about my 40s and going into my 50s, and I think about all the insecurities I had in my 20s and 30s that I don't have anymore. It's like, this is better at this age. This, you know, I feel probably more sexy and sexual now. And I don't mean like, and I'm just going to say, like, I wouldn't say that I'm like every day wanting to have sex, but (laughs) I feel like I remember maybe wanting to have more sex in my twenties and thirties, but not really being confident in my body and not being like willing to have the lights on and all this other stuff. I'm like, nowadays I'm like, look, if you want it, let's do it. And I hadn't had a shower, but I was like in my twenties, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I hadn't had a shower. We shouldn't, I got to get dressed up. I don't have those insecurities anymore. Like I'm just comfortable with who I am now. So like thinking about all the different things that are changing 
And what's good also about getting older? You know, what are the benefits? I think that helps as you're redefining your brain around your changing body, your, you know, if your weight's going to change, anything like that. So good. Now, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is a common reason for procrastination with working on weight weight loss. It's like, oh my God, I can't do other things while I'm focusing on weight loss. I can't change my job. I can't get rid of that job that I can't stand that I've been in for 25 years, or I can't build my business that I'm so excited to build. Can you talk a little bit about fitting weight loss priorities in with other goals and a busy life? So (laughs) this is so funny. Because I'm always like, how much freaking time does it take to lose weight? Like people say (laughs) this all the time as if like, I've got eight hours that I need to like plug into my day to focus on weight loss. It's like, that is so not true. If you're going to stop overeating emotionally, you have more time on your hands. (laughs) Like You can be thinking about the job you want to go get. You can be doing all these things. I always tell people our brain wants to think that if we're going to lose weight, that it's going to take so much time. Add that shit up on a piece of paper. Like literally, I tell my clients all the time, I don't even teach them to exercise. So I'm like, y'all don't even have to put that down. It takes about three minutes in the morning to write out a food plan. Like this is the things I'm going to eat today so that I know what I'm going to eat. So the rest of the day, you've saved time. You don't even have to think about now you get to think about this life you want to go after. The biggest problem I think what comes with weight loss is that because when I teach weight loss, and even if let's say you go do like some kind of restrictive diet, you're taking away the emotional coping mechanism that you've found, that you have figured out for yourself. It's like, when I eat, I feel better. When I eat, I'm not bored. When I eat, I celebrate. When I'm sad, I eat. Like, so that gets removed. Now we're just eating because we're hungry and we've had enough. That leaves a lot of time on your hands. It also leaves a lot of emotional void that's been covered up by food. What ends up happening is people will pretend like they can't do both because that void, like they're having to figure out how to go get the job. It's so much easier to say I'm working on my weight loss than it is to get some balls and go talk to your boss. Yeah. (laughs) To like go and apply for a job and hear a no. Like it's a lot easier to be like, yeah, I'm working on my fitness. You know, it takes all my time to be losing weight. (laughs) You know, it's really a distraction to going out and doing the things you want. I just don't think weight loss should take a lot of time. I think it supports everything you want to do. It opens the door to more time on your hands to go out and do the life that you want to live. It also opens the door to the relationship you have with yourself. You know, when you take away your emotional whoopee of Twinkies, then you're left with what you think about when you're not eating. Start working on that piece. Start working on what do I think about? Am I sitting around saying yes to everybody because I'm so terrified that they're going to have a harsh word for me and then I would feel bad? Like, let's work on all of that. That stuff's way more interesting to work on than to just sit there and they're like, well, let me just lose weight. So hopefully I'll feel better about myself and then sacrifice all these other great things you could be doing. Absolutely. And another thing that comes up a lot is with anybody who's an entrepreneur, an online entrepreneur, and certainly in my world, it's a lot of coaches, um, you know, there's a lot of visibility issues that come up. So it's kind of like, yeah, if you're going to have that kind of a business, you are going to have to put yourself out there. And when you don't like the way you look, 
I personally had a lot of problems. My hair looked so bad because the salons were closed for 17 months. Mm. And I'm like, I can't do it. I just looked just so, so bad. And I was kind of surprised at how self-conscious I was. But this issue of feeling self-conscious and not wanting to start things like marketing and visibility and putting yourself out there until you look better, until you feel better. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I will just say it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter how you look. I feel like there's so I'm a big fan of Dolly Parton. And one of Dolly Parton's favorite sayings is it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> so I have extensions and I have lashes and I have all the things. And I feel like I look pretty smoking. And there's hardly ever a post that I put up where somebody's just like, they don't like how I look. Don't be sitting there fooling yourself into some idea that you're going to lose weight. You're going to do these things. I think a lot of times people try to like look really good thinking that will shield them against negative feedback. Number one, you've got to figure out your feedback for yourself when you hear it, because when you start putting yourself out on social, you're going to hear it all anyway. Mm. And the bigger you get, the more you hear, you know, there's just more people that are going to come. Like if you've got one person out of 400, that'll throw shade at you, you get 40,000, then that's like, you know, multiplied by what, like 10. So then you've got these 10 douchebags that come on your, you know, Instagram posts and stuff every day. I'm like, Oh, I don't like you. So I think there's like, some of that that goes on, like you've got to, you just have to realize that you're never going to look good enough to shield yourself from someone who doesn't like the way you look. There's like opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. (laughs) I think the other thing is just deciding, you know, in that moment, what am I going to make it mean? What am I going to make it mean about myself? Am I going to make it mean I got to keep changing myself for everyone else? Or am I going to make it mean that's somebody who doesn't deserve my attention? There are people who do, and that's who I want to focus on. And that's where I live these days. I get plenty of people that don't like me for a variety of reasons. And I just always remember my job is not to show up for them every day. And my job is not to make sure they like me. My job is to make sure that the people that I serve that I'm changing their life and that I am showing up the best way possible to change their life. And when I stay in that energy, that other stuff doesn't bother me. I'm just like, they're wrong. They're not my people. I mean, there's a thousand thoughts that we can think about it. But for me, that's where I go. Was that hard for you? Was that a hard adjustment as Mm -hmm. you got bigger and more well-known? Yeah, I would say this year has not been bad at all. Like it's, I get like other day I posted something. I was actually twerking in a bikini because I was like, we going to like show all the things like I was just like going, you know, wild. And about 400 people did not like it. <laughs> oh, really? Because I saw it and I was like, oh, my God, look at you. Yeah, a I lot of impressed. people did. And about 400 didn't. Wow. And I just like it was I really felt like I had grown because I was sitting there thinking, yeah, but. They're, if they can't handle this, they could never handle me coaching them. Mm. Like they just need to hit the exit door now. You know, like I didn't think about like, oh my God, you know, people don't like me and stuff like that. Now, two years ago, when I really started growing and putting myself out there in all the ways, like shorts and bikinis and all the kinds of things, 
And just, I wanted to really start sending the message that this is what it looks like when you lose a hundred pounds. Like, you know, and we need to see more bodies that look real or we're never going to, like, so many people are not going to change. Like, I just think about, like, I probably have gifted myself so many more years on this earth. I've gifted my son more time with his mother. I've gifted myself more time with my husband because I decided one day to take care of myself. I, I just, but two years ago, when I first started putting myself out there, I knew I, that women needed to see um, something realistic and like normal, or they would never keep trying to change their life. They would always be, they would keep losing. I had so many clients tell me that they had lost lots of weight in previous programs. And when they lost their weight, they didn't look the way they wanted. So they end up regaining it. And I've been teaching them all about like, we got to figure out, like, we got to focus on more things. We got to focus on the quality of our life. And we get to be proud of our body no matter what. Like, we have to quit trying to fit into these narratives. So when I first started doing this, oh my God, like people just, people feel free to tell you everything about you and everything that like, uh, you're, you always look so orange or like, ugh, your hair's too blonde or ugh, with your legs, I would never put them out in the world. You should start wearing pants. Like I got all of that stuff all the time, every day. And it was, wow. I can't tell you how many times I went to bed crying. I can't tell you how many times I like, I would go a week without even looking. I would just tell my, the person who schedules my social, I write it all, but she schedules it. I just said, I can't even comment this week. I can't look at it. Like it's, I'm not there yet. And so I would spend time though, protecting myself from like, I knew what my habit brain was going to do. And I was so in the deep belief that like, yeah, there is something wrong with me. Maybe I should stop. I spent time writing about why I should keep going and why I wanted to be that person who, you know, started loving her body. I'm still working on it. I'm not saying I'm perfect, Susie. I like, I tell my clients all the time, I get coached really hard. Right now I'm in the middle of doing deep child work, inner child work to kind of heal that version of me that was so bullied when she was a kid. Um, I think that I've just gone to the next level stuff, but uh, it gets better, but we have to start somewhere. We have to start doing something and we have to start telling ourselves that we are more than just what our bodies look like. I think we, when we don't like our body, we just ignore everything else. And we get so focused on that one thing and we forget there's so much more in life to even think about while we're repairing this relationship over here. Like we get to experience other great things. So I always like to teach that balance. It's like work on this, but Let's amplify other things so you don't get caught up in this has to get fixed before I get to appreciate anything else. Exactly. It's an and we can do this and we can do that. Yeah. One of the main things that you teach is and and it comes up in my work, too, because it's just so brilliant. The keys to the universe, perhaps, um, is the importance of planning in advance Mm -hmm. and then committing to your plan. So could you talk about that a little bit? Because there's so much resistance to planning in advance. Yeah. So this is probably, like I always tell my members, if I can just get you to plan. We pretty much have done 50% of the work at this point. <laughs> like the planning, the key to it 
is the most of the people that have resistance to it is because they are trying to plan from diet mentality, their old diet trauma and past. They're like, here's the, they have a, like a running list of the foods I shouldn't eat, the foods I have to eat. It's such a very commanding and demeaning and shrill voice that Mm. it's like every time they try to get out the plan, all of that past diet trauma comes back. It's like they can just feel it wash over them. It's so true. Yeah. So I teach my people in the very beginning, like, I really need you to create what we call the doable plan. Like it needs to be like, what foods do you like eating? Because what we're trying to ultimately do is not cut foods out. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is get it to where you feel so safe and so abundant with food that you never feel like you have to eat all of it ever again because you're afraid you won't get it again. You don't have to like, let me get up on this donut because it was free. Like we want to like free ourselves from all of that stuff. So I always have them start with the most uncomfortable step is the first one where you're going to write down like chips. You're going to write down bread. (laughs) You're going to write down these things that the diet industry has said, These are the bad foods. It's like, they're not bad foods. The problem is not a list of foods. The problem is we eat when we feel bad. We eat when it's free. We clean our plate because we don't like to waste. Like we have, it's our emotional stuff. And when you clean that up, you get to put on your plan things that you love. So I always start with that doable plan. It's like, let's put those foods on there first and let's start getting comfortable eating them. Let's learn how to eat them sanely. Let's learn how to eat them with mindful control. And let's also learn that there are going to be times a better option is going to come along, but it won't be the last time it will. And where you start to get to practice a little bit of like, okay, if I really want that, I'll have it tomorrow. I'll plan it. It I'll plan it later. It teaches your brain. It's not just about delayed gratification. It teaches your brain that we can always have it. So it's okay. Like teaching our brain how to calm down around food, I think is like the real art of the 24-hour plan. Mm, So good. And what about commitment? Because there's so much drama that goes on with committing to that plan. So the way that we teach it is um, always have a scale of one to 10. So when you make your plan, You do not get to memorialize it (laughs) as the plan for the day until it passes the no BS commitment scale, which is on a scale of one to 10, number one is, oh, it's a hell no. And number 10 is no brainer, all in, I can do it. If you're not an eight or better, it's not realistic. It's not doable. It's not tapped inside of, it's not overcome those self-sabotage unconscious thoughts yet. So when somebody's first starting out, I want them at an eight or better because they haven't learned the skill of committing yet. So we've got to make sure that the bar is so low that it's basically a yardstick on the ground. And all you've got to do is step (laughs) over it. Like, right. And when you do that, you, that's how I did it. It's like you start showing up and then you'll notice over time you're willing and you're able to commit to bigger things, but you have to practice committing. And know that it's okay and that you can do it and stuff. So that's how we teach commitment. That's good. 
I, uh, I realized when I, when I think back to when I started to really understand commitment, it was so obvious that most of the time I wasn't as committed as I thought I was. Like that was such a big learning for me when I first got introduced to this work and really being more connected to my feelings, which I was very disconnected most of my life. (laughs) Well, and I think too, I think a lot of us mistake commitment to what we want ultimately versus I teach commitment to the, to the actions. Like a lot of us are like, I want it so bad. I'm telling you right now, I don't understand. I want to lose weight so bad. It's like, I'm so committed to the version of me that I think I'm going to be, but we're not committed to any of the work along the way. It's like, well, that's where we start kind of wafting. So I always teach people, it's like, it's fine to be committed to that goal and like understand your goal and all that other stuff. But each and every day, real commitment comes to, all right, for the next meal, what am I willing to do? I think willingness is the feeling like the unsung hero in weight loss. I think a lot of us don't understand. It's like, we want to feel motivated. Like we want to feel all the sexy feelings, like confident and stuff. I'm like, no, here's what you need to do. When you first start losing weight, you got to figure out like, all right, what, what can I do to feel willing? Once you're willing, that means I'm willing to be a little uncomfortable. It means I'm like, I'm willing to get it done. I can see how this might benefit me. It tripwires. But a lot of us are like sitting around like motivation junkies and thinking like, well, I don't know if I can do it today because I'm not like riding high like a snorted line of Coke before I go do it. You know, <laughs> I remember again, it was the first time I was I was really introduced to this work. I remember committing in advance and planning uh, that I didn't want dessert. I had this big epiphany. It was uh, an invitation to some dinner thing with my husband, some big event with, you know, with people walking around with trays of food. And I thought to myself, you know, I think I would really prefer appetizers. I don't really care about dessert, but appetizers and a glass of wine, that's very joyful to me. Like I really enjoy, I really enjoy that. And that was a huge epiphany. And then that commitment, that willingness, that is the perfect word for it. I didn't argue with myself at all during the, the event. Like it made so much sense to me. And that was the first time I'd ever done that. Yeah. I was shocked that when the the huge buffet table of dessert came out, I wasn't interested at all. And it was just easy because I was so willing. It was shocking to me. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a word I use a lot with my members is, you know, like what is going to create willingness for you? Like what thoughts are going to allow you to feel willing. And a lot of times I like to work with them on, let's do your action line first. Like, what do you think it's like? I always like, I always ask this question. It's like, what do you think it's going to take? And of course they'll like give me, they'll either give me something that's very just generic, you know, like, oh, well, I got to follow the four basics. I'm like, okay, which one? And what do you think it's going to take to do that? Like, what does that look like in your daily life? I'm always, always about that A line's got to be so specific yeah. that there's no question. And then I start talking to them, like, okay, do you feel like this is doable? And a lot of times they do, they'll say yes. And I'm like, okay, so what is the thought you're using that makes that feel so doable? And I try to show them it's still always your thoughts, but a lot of clarity on the A line lets somebody kind of take a look and be like, oh, okay. Like, I think I can get behind this and then they can follow through. 
Because people yeah. just, they either plan from a mindset of too generic or they'll say they'll go into a laundry list of things that they have to do. And then they'll wonder why they're procrastinating. It's like, if you think it's going to take a 180 in your life, everything has to change. And all those changes, you've got shitty thoughts about it. I don't care how bad and how amazing you think weight loss will be or how like, bad you want it and how amazing you think it's going to be. You're never going to pull the trigger. You'll never pull the trigger. Because the story of what it's going to take to get there has to be better than the story that you're telling yourself about not doing it. Absolutely. And how hard it is and all of that. And I remember uh, one of the big breakthroughs I had was to figure out how long something actually took. In Mm -hmm. my mind, it was so hard and it took so much time and whatever. And it was seconds when I figured it out and actually timed it. Once I saw that, then it made so much sense and it really changed my willingness because it was accurate. Like I really broke right. it down and understood it and it, it made a big difference for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you have a really big business with lots going on and I know um, there's something you wanted to talk about today. So what do you have going on right now? We have two big things going on. I usually try not to do two big things, but it Somehow I wasn't <laughs> looking at my calendar when I planned all this. <laughs> I keep telling the team, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know how we <laughs> planned two things at once. But uh, our membership is getting ready to open again. We only open a couple times a year. So that's getting ready to happen. And it will be open August 4th through the 7th. So if you're strictly like, I would love to lose some weight. I would love to like prove that to all the doctors that you actually can lose weight during menopause. <laughs> you don't have to just like sit back and take it. You know, uh, you can do that and you can go to, if you aren't on my mailing list, you can go to nobsfreecourse.com. That will get you into my world. You'll have a free course. You'll get introduced to me and all the things. And when we open, you would get the notifications. But if you're a life coach school certified coach who is teaching weight loss and you want to, Go through my advanced certification where I'm not only going to teach you how like my beliefs around weight loss, like keeping it simple, keeping it clear for your clients and stuff, but you also want to have a little bit of like business advice. Um, One thing I'm good at is helping women make the way to making some money a little bit easier on themselves. I had to like learn all the things by myself and it's kind of like what I've done in weight loss. I just wanted women to be able to lose weight easier and get there than I did. And I want to do the same thing on the business side. So you can go to theweightlossuniversity.com. We're going to be opening up for applications in the middle of August. So if you get on the wait list, you'll get um, that page will have all kinds of information about what that's about, but we will send you information on if you want to apply all the, all the goodies that come along with working with me. And it's a three-month program. Amazing. Well, Corinne, thank you so much for joining us today. You really have a gift when it comes to cutting through excuses, the BS, so to speak, and helping us all see the bottom line when it comes to losing the weight you want to lose. I really, really appreciated our time together. It was so much fun. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, that's it for this episode. A lot of truth bombs were dropped just now, right? (laughs) So think about it. What are your thoughts about weight loss at your age? Does it feel impossible or even just a little bit harder? Even that one thought, it's harder to lose weight in menopause, 
can be a huge problem. And it doesn't even seem like the big problem, does it? Right? It really doesn't. And if that's something you're thinking, you really have to be curious about why you're choosing to think that way. It's like you're not setting yourself up for success with that kind of mindset. In all of the work we do here on the Women in the Middle podcast, you know the importance of thought work and looking for what you're actually thinking. These are the thoughts that are humming along in the background sometimes, but really adding an emotional wallop to your life. All of that negative emotion really does affect you more than you might actually appreciate. So look for this thought and all kinds of thoughts that are sabotaging your weight loss efforts and all kinds of your midlife goals. As I always say, it's so important to regret-proof your life. A super common regret is that you get in the way of your own happiness in so many areas of your life. It really comes down to you not allowing yourself to be happy. That's what so many of us do. So for sure, that is something to regret. So my friend, allow yourself to be happy. Allow yourself to get out of your own way. Allow yourself to believe that you can release weight that you don't want even now at your age. There are so many amazing things that are great about being your age and accomplishing midlife goals, goals that set you up for what I think just might be one of the most exciting chapters of your life. All right, as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, empty nest, relationships, your career, and even about learning how to finally put yourself first. This is what regret-proofing your life is all about. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, but when it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. Head over to www.talktosuzy.com and book a free call to see what program is a good fit for you. And just go ahead and apply to work together. It's www.talktosuzy.com. It's really time to get unstuck, get clear, and get excited about your life again. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsuzy.com. If you're feeling stuck, make sure to grab your free guide, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s, at www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And if you or your friend is turning 50, here's a great gift idea. Grab a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50. Check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>